Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Transform Sales Podcast. Today, I am delighted to have Troy Erickson. How are you, Troy? Hey, Wes, I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Let me tell you guys a little bit more about Troy. He's the owner of Email Paramedic, the leading email list management agency that has generated over $50 million for their clients since 2019 by improving email copy and deliverability. Troy has worked with numerous companies, including Traffic and Funnels, VShred, Ezra Firestone, and hundreds of more. He was ranked number 20 copywriter in the world by Peter hmm, Tzemeth, Tzemeth, that's what I'm going to say, from Traffic <laughs> and Funnels. Troy is also a musician, former college baseball player, and lives in Tampa, Florida. So $50 million. I mean, that's, that's a pretty significant amount of money just coming from email. So tell us, how did you start your career and how did you get to where you are today? Yeah, so in 2018, I was a college baseball player and through a long emotional story that I'll, I'll save for another day, I basically lost my ability to throw a baseball stemming from a surgery and some mental complications that I had after it. And I was just sitting in my dorm room because I couldn't travel with the team. And I was like, what am I going to do? And I found somebody on Snapchat who was just teaching me the basics of like internet marketing. So eventually I bought his Facebook ads course and I followed the course and went on Upwork and actually did well and got some clients to run Facebook ads for. And then in 2019, in the spring, I had two clients and I was just kind of hanging out and I was doing okay. And um, one of my clients was like, hey, we have to fire you. And I was like, wait, hold on. Like, I'm looking at the cost per lead. It looks good. Like, what's the problem? And they were like, no, we have to fire you. I said, no, you're going to tell me right now what the problem is because I only have two clients. So they were like, all right, fine. Our emails are not getting delivered. We don't know what we're doing and we're not making any money off the leads that you're getting us. So I said, all right, well, I have a little bit of email experience from my other client. So let me try to fix this for you. If it doesn't work, no worries. I'm going to try to fix it for free. And then when I'm done, we can just try to go back to what we were doing. So they said, OK, we don't have anything to lose. And over the course of that summer, I paid a lot to educate myself. And I used my previous experience. And I managed to get them from 13K a month in email sales up to 51K a month, which is almost a 4X. And I was like, hey, I'm pretty good at this. And it's a bluer ocean than Facebook ads. So I should probably do this for my other client. And then it turned out that a lot of people needed it. So I just switched to running email lists for people and solving deliverability problems. And since then, we've worked with a lot of cool people and we've helped a lot of cool people. So I do want to, you said you didn't want to share too much about what happened in college with your injury, but I do believe that a lot of times the people that we are today, it comes from the adversity that we face in early life. So using your pain for passion. So tell us a little more of what happened and the insights that you got from that injury. Yeah, totally. You're right. So basically think, you know, everybody here has like a childhood dream, right? And mine was to play Major League Baseball. And ever since I was probably 12, that's what I decided I wanted to do. And literally me and my dad, we'd practice every day. He'd throw me batting practice. He would hit me ground balls, hit me fly balls, do everything. He would be my catcher and when I was pitching, no matter how many times I bounced the ball and I hurt him. Um, but eventually I got really good. And in high school, I was out there trying to make the varsity team. It was the first time outside in, you know, cold Indiana in the middle of March. And um, I was the first pitcher that day at practice fighting to make the varsity team. And there was a pop in my elbow. 
And basically at that point, there was this tingly feeling that started here and just like worked its way up my arm. And I was like, I don't know what's going on right now, but this is not good. So I tried to throw another pitch for some reason, which is like not what you're supposed to do. And I just looked at my coach and said, I have to stop. And that was the first time in my life that I ever really had to like stop doing something, right? Like I was raised to be the tough guy, the guy who doesn't give up, right? So through a long series of events, and I don't like to use this word because again, I'm like the tough guy, but there was a lot of bullying that happened too when you're a sophomore trying to like make a varsity team and juniors and seniors like, what's wrong? Do you need Tommy John surgery? And Tommy John surgery is basically that it's named after the first guy who had it. If you tear your UCL, so basically the ligament that connects this bone and this bone, that's the worst injury you can have as an overhead athlete. And it turned out that's what I needed. And it was a year-long recovery process that normally you don't have unless you're like 30-something and you're a professional. And I was 16. So I fought back from that. I ended up pitching one year in high school because of it. I made it to Division three college. I eventually transferred to Division two. And like I was doing okay as an athlete, and then I got in my own head, and there was just like all these weird like worries and anxieties, not just about like, am I going to be okay? Is it going to hurt again? But also like, hey, I'm supposed to be really, really good. I'm a Division two athlete, and all these anxieties about like throwing the ball. So then I'd start like bouncing it, throw it over people's heads. Um, the informal name for it is known as the yips. When you're unable to do simple motor actions like play catch or like a golfer that misses easy putts. And it stripped me of my identity because as a senior in college, I got cut from the team that I was supposed to be leading. So it literally stripped me of my identity. And then at that point, I didn't really go outside for two weeks, but I had a couple good friends that kind of helped me through it. And uh, I just kind of discovered internet marketing during that time. And that's kind of when things happened. But yeah, it definitely, you know, things play out the way that they're supposed to. I believe in that simply because there's no alternate universes, right? So I think my life is a lot better today compared to if I had tried to go down the route of being a professional athlete, which is like not much money and very difficult and stress on your family and your mental health. So that's that story. Hopefully it's inspiring or helpful to somebody who's had a similar story. That's amazing. And I know you didn't think you were going to come on a sales podcast and get deep <laughs> into an injury from, from years and years ago. But there are a few things that you said that I want to kind of circle back on. And one of the key things is your body was able to do what it needed to do, but your mind was holding you back. And so many times, whether it's in business or personally, like we're moving, we're going, we're doing, but I call it mental spaghetti or mental Olympics, if you will. It's like your brain is like, no, 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 no. It's holding you back. And all of that negative self-talk is really what pushes you back. And so when we think about you being in your senior year and you got cut, and so all of the mental Olympics, all of the things that was going around in your mind, it actually put you in a place of, of sadness, of depression. And if it wasn't for your tribe or your friends who really helped pull you out, you wouldn't be where you are today. So tell me a little bit more about those people, either those people then or the people now who really helped you to develop and come into the business owner and the entrepreneur that you are today. Yeah, one of them was my friend Alex. So I was living with him at the time. He was a year older than me. He was on the baseball team the year before I transferred in. And he also had an injury that, you know, forced him to stop. Now, he wasn't like as emotionally connected to the game as I was, but he had been there and he didn't have a crash and burn like that, but he had been there. And he just basically said, hey, man, like, 
we got to get out of the house. You can't keep living like this. Let's just go to the gym together. And like, it was hard for me because I'd see my teammates there and it was really awkward and I just didn't want to like be seen. So he helped me get out. And um, because it's like, sure, you can sit inside and do things and learn and whatever on the internet. But if you don't go outside, like you need to get out there and like move your body, like you said, and get that part of your life back. So that was really amazing. And it kind of got me going. Um, As far as other people, I have to give a shout out to Grant Cooper. He was running this uh, agency called Social Vantage. And that was the course that I took about Facebook ads. And eventually he ended up hiring me as a freelancer. So it kind of came full circle. He was like my first mentor when it came to like Facebook ads. And he gave so much value on Snapchat and taught me so much. And without his course, I wouldn't even gotten started in this industry. And then also one of my very first clients named Greg Berry. He's very low key, but he was um, running a business that was tied in with Gary Vee. It was called Burger Box, and he was one of my first clients as well. And um, that business eventually failed too. And then we started another business that did really well. And he was like that client that gave me my first chance at email marketing. And to this day, he's still a really good friend. And he just taught me a lot of amazing principles about not just business success, but like how to think and how to just take any issue that comes your way and not treat it as a big deal. Because at the end of the day, it's only as big of a deal as you make it. So Those are a few people that definitely helped me when I started out. And I have to say thanks to my fiance, Julia, too, because she keeps me in check and uh, (laughs) makes sure that I'm not going back into my old ways and my old thoughts. And sometimes she spots things that I can't spot about myself. Mm, Having your tribe, keeping yourself with those tribal mentors. And you kind of launched into the next thing that I wanted to tap into is, so you were at this place of like, I don't know what I want to do. This dream that I've had all of my life is no longer within reach. And you were just on social media and you found someone who inspired you. And that someone who inspired you then in turn, after they saw all the hard work and the tenacity that you put in, they said, I want to hire you. So how did you go from being this person who had no idea what they wanted to do to investing yourself to working for the person who taught you how to become so excellent? Yeah, I think that, um, like we mentioned earlier too, like the things early in your life, even if you fail at them, they teach you a lot. And baseball obviously taught me a lot, taught me like hard work and diligence. When I say I worked hard, I worked like harder than 90% of people who make it to college. And then I I transferred that into business. So basically, I took this course. And most people, you know, they take a course and they don't necessarily take it seriously. Or even if they do, they go out in the real world and they try to get a client. But the thing I always remember is when I went on Upwork and I got my first big client, Greg, he replied to my like Upwork proposal and he said, Troy, this is the only one I got that was like thoroughly detailed with the entire plan. And it mentioned this thing called funnels, which I haven't really heard of before, but I want to try it. So it really, it's just a matter of like being really diligent and leaving no stones in turn because you can go like after a few clients or a few proposals or a few whatever in your life and you can be really good at them. Or you can spray and pray and, you know, put your energy in a whole bunch of different buckets, but you can't put that much energy in because you only have so much of it. So that's one thing that really kind of helped me is just like focus and diligence. So when you take that focus and diligence and you talk about email deliverability and running Facebook ads, how does that translate to benefit the clients that you're working with, that focus and that diligence? 
Yeah. So especially with deliverability, I guess we should talk about email now because that's what I do. But um, so a lot of people just don't even realize that they have a problem. And it really takes a lot of like introspection to realize like, hey, there's something in my business that's broken. And when I have to help other people realize that it's tough and you have to really like be a good communicator to say to somebody in a nice way, like, hey, your emails, that whole thing that you might have spent a long time, years or months building, it's kind of broken. And mm. I'm going to show you exactly what's wrong and exactly how to fix it. So what I'll normally do is I'll make like a loom video and just like go over all the details like, hey, I opted in for your email list. Here's my inbox. As you can see, your emails landed in my spam folder or they landed in my promotions tab. And I show them like, actually, that's a really bad thing because a lot of times our clients that we get out of promotion and spam, the 1.5 to 2x their open rate. So that means that you're leaving a lot of money on the table right now. And here's how we can fix this. So I, first of all, I have to explain it to them. Then if they sign up, then I have to make sure I actually do the work and get them the result, right? So deliverability, some cases, it's simple where you can basically make a few edits if they had some glaring errors and fix those and they're good to go. And then there's other times where there's all these technical records like SPF, DKIM, and DMARC that you have to go into their DNS settings and fix. And they've had really poor engagement over the past several years and their domain reputation is really damaged. And it takes time and a lot of patience to fix those things. So it's just a matter of just, like I said, focus and diligence and uh, being able to get the job done. But before that even happens, you have to show somebody why it's really important. So I'm hearing the steps for anyone who just glossed over those. First of all, you need to recognize you have a problem, right? And whether this is your email deliverability, your marketing, sales, whatever you're doing, like realizing that there is a problem and then understanding that you didn't get here overnight. So this problem is not going to be fixed immediately. It is going to take time. You didn't just start landing in spam. And I can remember, I don't know, maybe a year or two years ago, I was like, why are my one-to-one -one emails going to people spam? Like, what is even happening here? And I realized it was because of the way that we were running our newsletters and people were marking them as spam. And so, as you said, our domain got um, shut down. And so it took us a moment to step back and realize that, hey, we need to change something because something isn't working here. Something is a little bit broken. Yeah, totally. It's like being able to realize it internally is just really, really important. And understanding like, hey, there's a lot of things going on in your life, right? Whether it's business or personal, like we could fill every second of the day if we wanted to. So really just taking the things that are highest priority and doing those first and um, having the patience to learn about them or bringing somebody on who, you know, is really, really good at it. So yeah, it's just a matter of like whatever works best for you and just addressing the problem and fixing it however you can. And so talk to us because a lot of people, it doesn't matter if you're in a big business or a small business, they really discount the value of a good list, right? And I understand, I call it owned media versus shared media versus owned media, earned media, and your email list, that's like your own, right? You have those people's names and email addresses and they say, I wanna hear from you. So whether you have 10 people or 10,000 people, there's value in that list. Talk to us about that. Yeah, you bring up a really good point. So for example, just this morning, I had my first TikTok at a million views, but at the end of the day, TikTok at any point for any reason can just shut down my account. And I've had that happen to friends on various forms of social media. 
and you just never know when that day's coming and you might be shocked. And hopefully it never happens, but I like to assume that it's going to happen. So what I do is I build a list. And it, I don't just build the list because it's like safer than social media. I build it because when somebody opts in for your list, that's a higher level of commitment. That's like saying, hey, I want to privately read what you're going to tell me and learn more about you. Because social media is great, but it's like when you leave a comment or you watch something, like other people can see what you're doing. There's just so much sharing going on and there's like everything's documented. But an email, it's just like, it really feels like you're sending me a message and I'm the only one who's reading it. And if I reply, nobody else is going to see it. It's just like more relaxing. So when people get on your list, uh, naturally, an email subscriber is worth a heck of a lot more than a Instagram follower, for example, or TikTok. So you really just have to talk to them in the right way. It's like the first thing you want to send them is whatever you promised them when they opted in. The next thing you want to basically give them a lot of social proof that other people are doing it too. Step three A lot of people say that you should always make it all about them, which is true to an extent, but the reason they're opting in is because they want to learn about you. So you have to tell your story and hopefully make it as relatable as possible. Like I was trying to tell my story earlier, and even though not everybody's a baseball player, everybody can relate to adversity in their life. Um, So you have to tell that. And then step email number four would be something like FAQ, right? So maybe over the first three emails, it wasn't like crystal clear to a lot of people exactly what you do and all the perks and benefits and questions. So you have to tell them that. And you just kind of keep going and, and telling them your story and nurturing them and like making offers to them. And it's just really, really, really important. And um, the last thing I'll say about it too is, like you said, it's all about the quality over the quantity, right? Because a lot of people will go out and they'll try to buy an email list. And they're like, oh, my list is so big. And I'm like, hey, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter if the people aren't there because they care. So you really have to focus on quality over quantity because I'm telling you, and I'm not exaggerating when I say this, I would rather have 1,000 really dedicated people instead of 20,000 like kind of interested people because I've seen situations like that where there's people just a few like a thousand who will spend more than those 20,000 and they care more and you can you know impact them too. I often call those your soulmates right who are those people who like they feel that pain that you're trying to solve they know they're like i feel this i know exactly what this person is saying i want to go on a journey with this person i want to do this like that's who you need and one of the greatest misnomers and it doesn't matter if you're a salesperson working within an organization or you're a small business owner or even if you're a sales leader you have to realize that you're not for everyone your product your service it's not for everyone and that is absolutely okay like i know I am not for everyone. And that makes me feel happy because if I was for everyone, that means that I'm diluting my message. So be okay with that. Be okay with not being the thing that everybody wants to have to see to get. Yeah, you really nailed it right there because sometimes we'll start with a new client and, you know, we don't just do deliverability. We'll like write emails for people too. We basically run their whole list for them if they want. And a lot of times when we first start for clients, they freak out because there's like a couple people who replied and said, stop emailing me, you email too much, or somebody is like mad for some reason, or they didn't like part of the story. And I tell my client, I'm like, calm down, go look at that person's order history and see how much they've spent. And I'm like, how much was it? And they come back and they're like, you're right. They didn't spend anything. I'm like, okay, so next time somebody trolls you, don't listen to it. Because 
there's a lot of people on your list that they read everything and eventually they take action by either buying something or sometimes you get amazing replies by people. Like I had a guy yesterday who was in my program and he literally used the phrase, I feel like I now have something to live for. And that means a lot more to me than any amount that somebody spends. Mm -hmm. And when you get that kind of interaction, you know you're heading in the right direction and helping people. So it's really important to think about all that too. And you know, I like to think about the drill down, right? Because I remember when I first started on this journey, I was like, oh no, why did they unsubscribe? Why are they responding like this? And so what I learned to do is I look in the data, everybody knows I'm a recovering chemist, so I like numbers. And I look at that person who opened the email five or six times or clicked on the link. That means they either opened it multiple times or they liked it so much they forwarded it on, right? And so that, that should make you jump up and down, even if it's one person. Because again, no matter what product or service you are selling, your job is to serve people. It is to impact them, impact how they show up, impact what they do. And if by sending them an email or giving them something that sparks something in them, you have done the job that you showed up to do. Yeah, 100%. It's crazy how the more you just be yourself and you live your truth and you just almost act like a celebrity. That's kind of what I was saying earlier, right? Like a lot of people say, put the other person first, which yes, I agree with. But at the same time, you have to show yourself and be yourself and say things that frankly are going to make some people mad. Because I always tell people you could start a puppy rescue and somebody would still find a way to criticize you. So just go out send your message on every platform and just be omnipresent. And if people don't like it, if people say you're emailing too much, just think about this. Think about something you love. So for me, it's baseball, right? So if you send me seven quality emails a week about baseball, I'm not going to unsubscribe if your emails are good, right? And you have to make sure that you're hitting the nail on the head still, right? Like, do I want to know, like, do I have like maybe a kid and I want to learn how to make them a good athlete? Or maybe am I a fan of my favorite team? Or maybe I'm just like, I'm interested in trading cards or something like that, right? So there's like sub niches. So you just have to make sure you find out exactly what your audience wants and send really good content about that thing. And then nobody's really going to be mad at you, right? So like some people might leave, but like you said, it's okay. It's not a good fit. I love it. So let's say somebody is just trying to get started and the technical stuff, the SPFTCAT, they're not really into that. They don't really understand that, but they're like, I got 10 people and I just want to start emailing them. What is the best first step to dibble your toe into the world of email newsletters or email touches or whatever you want to call it? Yeah. So the first thing, like you mentioned, is taking action, right? Because like I've built what I like to call an email empire at this point, but I started just like you mentioned. And a lot of people get overwhelmed because they think that they have to build the empire right away. But hey, it's just one step at a time. So what I would do if I were you is you have 10 names and 10 email addresses that match, right? So you're going to go on to something called an ESP. So that's basically where you send marketing emails from. The free one is called MailChimp. I don't recommend it, but it is free. Now there's active campaign, which is like $9 a month. If you're starting out much better option, longer term, if you want to sign up there and basically you go in, you create an account and you upload those 10 people and then you just go and you click on the campaigns tab and then you just write your first email and just go ahead and write it. It's completely okay. It's not going to be perfect. Totally fine. And you go ahead and you send it out to those people and you say like, Hey, thanks so much for being here. And like, here's what I'm going to talk about. And here's like how this is relevant to you. And I'm going to tell my story. 
And then basically you just send it and keep sending emails that tell your story and kind of help explain what you do. But of course, you still want to like create an opt-in as well, right? So whatever like the main thing is that you're really knowledgeable about, or maybe like some secret that most people want to know that you know that they don't, you can just make a free opt-in on, you know, like ClickFunnels or whatever platform you use. Um, Share it on your social media and say like, hey, I am going to be emailing about this and telling my story. Even if you don't have an opt-in page, you can still have people like message you their email address or something. And just build your list. I think I started with like 34 people on my list. Seven of them were me, like different emails that I have. And a bunch of them were like friends and family that I I twisted their arm and made them join my email list just so I had a real audience to talk to. Because you can have all these good ideas in your head, but if you don't have a real audience, no matter how small it is, it's holding you back because you're not like you need the practice of having an audience and like the good consequence. Consequences can be good. The good consequence of having real people to write to. Mm, Those are some amazing tips. Amazing, amazing tips. A lot of times on the podcast, we're talking about direct sales things, conversions, talking to your team. But this art of um, sending emails, it is a sales channel and it is a way to engage your audience. And that's those lukewarm people who are out there on the fringes who they're the lurkers on social media who may not like or comment, but you're like, how do I have... 50 likes, but 10,000 impressions. Cause that's 10,000 people that have seen your post and they may click on a link to opt into your email because again, they can stay quiet. They can stay in the background. They don't have to be so loud. Those are some good tips. So as we close, you've shared a lot of things that have impacted the person that you are today, the way that you show up and lead. But I'm wondering if you can point to one experience in your life that really impacted the person that you are today. I would point at my surgery and uh, baseball experience, but I already already mentioned that, so I don't know if I can. But um, I'll say this. So I'll again, I'll talk about Julia, my fiance. And when I think about like baseball, I think about my dad and all the sacrifices he made for me, which are many. And when I met Julia, I basically we had met at a couple of events, and I flew out to San Diego just to hang out with her for a while and see if it was a good fit. And we lived on complete opposite sides of the country. And I was like, gosh, I don't know if this is going to work out because we're so far apart. And I basically told her that and I was really honest. And I was like, hey, I don't know what we're going to do. And then literally in that moment, she's like, hey, I'll move to Florida and move in with you. Like, I'll give up the life that I have here. And she was a college cheerleader and she's like still participating in that and like had some things going in San Diego. And she just straight up like left that for me to come all the way to Florida. And like since then, we have hardly spent any days apart from each other. And it's just it really means a lot to me when somebody really shows you that they care. So first, when I was a kid, it was my dad. And then now that I'm an adult, it's my fiance. And uh, it just means a lot to me when people take a physical action that backs up the words when they say, I love you. So that's what I like. Wow. That's a big one. (laughs) That's a really big one. I've been walking through um, and using it in in what I do with my coaching and with clients and talking about love languages. And so it sounds like your love language is acts of service. And she poured all the way into your love bucket by literally saying, you're worth it. I'm going to move across the country. 
And I really, I love that story because a lot of times people give me professional things or they talk about their kids, but that is someone who was like, you're worth it. You're worth it for me to say my life here. I rather have my life with you on a complete different side of the country. So shout out to Julia. I know you'll listen to this, but kudos, kudos, oh, yeah. kudos. I love it. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate it. it. You know, it means a lot to me when somebody really backs up their words with actions. And um, yeah, it's really special because, you know, we thought about it. And we didn't want to be these two people that like blindly fell in love and then like somebody moved across the country and it didn't work out. Like we really thought about this and our personalities there were like, we agree on a lot of principles, but our personalities are kind of like opposites and opposites attract. And we really thought about it like deeply together out of respect for each other to make sure that we thought it was going to work out and it's worked out wonderfully. So, yeah. That's fantastic. Troy, this has been a very, very amazing conversation. We've talked from high school to current day to your fiance, and you have enriched our brains, our souls, our minds. If someone wants to get in contact with you, what is the one best way? Yeah, so I would say getting on my email list because that's where you're going to see the most like personal stories and things like that. And then also some tactical strategies. So like, you know, when you set up your list, how do you book calls for your business? Or how do you like sell like in the email without even getting on a call? Or how do you sell a product, right? Um, so that's faqemail.com. I basically took all the FAQs that I get about email and I just put it in a giant cheat sheet that should basically like cut down the learning curve substantially. So faqemail.com. That is amazing, amazing, amazing. I will definitely be signing up for that email list because I am a lifelong learner and I love learning amazing things from amazing people. Thank you, Wesley. I appreciate it. Well, thank you so much again for your time, your talent, your expertise and sharing with us today, Troy. Thank you. That was another episode of the Transform Sales Podcast. And remember, in all that you do, every day, transform your sales. Until next time.